It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. For the Evening Standard in London, I'm Mark Blunden and this is The Leader. I'm here in the City of London's Fleet Street. This was once the heart of Britain's newspaper industry, but while the big news publishers, including the Evening Standard, have moved to new locations, this busy thoroughfare just down Ludgate Hill from St Paul's Cathedral is still something of colloquial shorthand for British newspapers. But there also remains a very special building here on Fleet Street, offering spiritual sanctuary for journalists, St Bride's Church. St Bride's was here before the newspapers came here, so we have been a church for journalists, for printers, for everyone working in the media, since the dawn of the media, really. St Bride's has for centuries been offering ministry to journalists and before that printers and has long been commemorating those killed in the line of duty and comforting their colleagues, family and friends. With support from the London Press Club and the journalists' charity, St Bride's held a service to remember those reporting on the war in Ukraine from photographers to local fixers as the conflict reached its grim one-month milestone. The service, titled Under Fire, Journalists and Ukraine, was led by the Reverend Canon Dr Alison Joyce. The war in Ukraine has made us all sit up. And not only because that kind of... I met Alison before the service in a corner of the church known as the Journalists' Altar. This area, in fact, uh, first became special to us when... uh, Hostages were held in Beirut, and we held vigils for them here, uh, most famously John McCarthy and Terry Anderson. And since then, it's become a place where we commemorate journalists who are held hostage, those who are in prison, those whose fate we don't know, and also those who've died, whether of natural causes or killed during the course of their work. They will go to places that nobody else would risk going, and particularly those who who work freelance, many of whom don't have the support and the backing of a big news organisation. And I think it's much more dangerous. There was an era in which having press on your flak jacket would bring about a measure of protection. These days, if anything, the opposite is the case, that journalists are very often targets. And we know that at the moment... Some of the Russian soldiers are singling out journalists and hunting them down because 
journalists have some power. You know, they communicate, they interpret the world for us. And we've seen how perilous is the alternative narrative that's given by a government-controlled media. What they do is crucial, and I am just so full of admiration for what they do. But if the worst happens, it's, there's obviously a lot of support required for family and for friends. Um, what, what sort of sort of calls and requests for, for pastoral um, support do, do you get? It varies enormously. There are some families we work with very closely. Quite often it's colleagues rather than families. You know, when there's a sudden death within a news organisation. Very often we're the first port of call for the, for the institution, for the newspaper, rather than the family who may live in an area they may want to go to their local church. Not always, sometimes they will come straight to us, particularly if they don't have a particular faith affiliation. And if we hear somebody has died, we will very often be able to offer some pastoral support, even a small service, actually on the day you know, because we turn things around very fast here. Thursday's service was packed with journalists from across the industry, from print to radio, television and web. Readings were given by speakers including Patrick Kidd, diary editor at The Times, and Caroline Wyatt, former BBC defence and war correspondent and now a presenter on Radio 4's PM programme. After the service, I caught up with Caroline and asked about her reflections on working in war zones and the role of correspondence in getting to the truth amid the bullets, bombs and propaganda. Firstly, how long would you find yourself out on assignment for? And did you sort of find any um, challenges sort of coming home and, and readjusting back to, back to life here in the UK? For me, I think, you know, we would go away for a week at a time to embed or we might go away for two weeks, we might go for a month, we might go for six weeks. It really varied a lot. And the the invasion of Iraq in 2003, we were told that if we volunteered to embed with British forces going to Iraq, that we might have to sign up to be there for a year. Yeah, so I went out there on the basis that it could be a year. I think in the end it was, a, it was four or five or six weeks. It was something like that. It was a lot shorter than people had expected, but you do go out there for quite some time and I think that the, the challenge is that when you come back, no one that you're with, or few people that you're with, will have had that same experience. And so you have this period of adjustment, and it's probably a bit like an astronaut coming back to Earth after a period at the space station where you have literally been in another world. And I remember coming back, I think it was from Iraq in 2003, and having a hot shower and weeping in that shower for the joy of having a shower but also it was all the accumulated tension and stress of being under constant bombardment as we had been and of realising that that was over and that now was the time to kind of readjust to normal life but I think it it's hard for your family it's hard for the people that you live with because you don't understand them and they don't understand you for a certain period how much access do you were you happy with the level of access that you were able to get during your time being embedded as opposed to being sort of free free range i i always preferred to be free range because there you are making your own choices you're deciding which front line you go to but there are dangers associated with that and when I was a defence correspondent, so generally going somewhere embedded with British troops, it was always a negotiation. So no, we didn't always get to exactly where we wanted to go, but we always did get stories. I think it's always a challenge there, and it always is a process of discussion and talking about what it is you want to achieve as a journalist, and trying to balance that with what they want to achieve as, as forces. And generally, 
it tended to work, but quite often there were quite lively debates. And finally, um, with all the free, f- we mentioned about there's the, the propaganda war on both sides, and then we have this the huge impact of, of social media, and with all this free flowing digital information in modern war zones. What, what's your view on the the modern role of the war correspondent and going forward? I think that the role of the war correspondent. Everyone thought, oh well, that will be obsolete. You know, you've got social media people on the ground are putting stuff up. You know, we'll all look at that. You won't need someone to interpret it. You won't need this kind of cast of press people out there risking their lives, adding to, in some cases, the turmoil, the need for food, etc. But I think that we we know now that you can't solely rely on social media to know what is happening on the ground in a war, because social media is a part, a tool of, is used as a tool of propaganda as well as everything else, as well as showing the truth, as well as being incredibly useful in terms of documenting things that may in the future be deemed to be war crimes. So it's a hugely beneficial thing to have people on the ground able to tweet, to put up photos, to put up videos, etc. But I think it's it has shown that the role of the war correspondent, photographer, camera crew is probably more important than ever in trying to make sense of it all, explain what's happening, show us what's happening, and try and get to the truth as much as you can. And that's the leader. To donate, you can search the Evening Standard's Ukraine Appeal online at standard.co.uk. We're back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.